chapter 2, verses 2 through 4, that creates each Christian. Romans chapter 8, verse 11. There is no accounting for life, any life, except by means of this wind or spirit. Thou sendest forth thy spirit, breath or wind. They are created, and thou renewest the face of the earth. Psalm 104, verse 30. There is clearly far more to spirit-created living than can be detected by blood pressure and pulse rate. All the vital signs of botany, biology, and physiology combined hardly begin to account for life. If it doesn't also extend into matters far more complex than our circulatory and respiratory systems, namely matters of joy and love, faith and hope, truth and beauty, meaning and value— There is simply not enough there to qualify as life for the common run of human beings on this planet Earth. Most of us may not be able to define spirituality in a satisfactory way, but few of us fail to recognize its presence or absence, and to feel ourselves enhanced by its presence and diminished by its absence. Life, life, and more life. It's our deepest hunger and thirst. But that doesn't always translate into spirit, spirit, and more spirit in the conduct of our lives. Spirit, Holy Spirit, in Christian terminology, is God's life in our lives. God living in us, and thereby making us participants in the extravagant prodigality of life, visible and invisible, that is, spirit-created. We humans, somewhere along the way, seem to have picked up the bad habit of trying to get life on our terms, without all the bother of God, the Spirit of life. We keep trying to be our own gods, and we keep making a sorry mess of it. Worse, the word has gotten around in recent years that spirituality itself might be a way of getting a more intense life without having to deal with God. Spirituality is a kind of intuitive bypass around the inconvenience of repentance and sacrifice and putting ourselves at risk by following Jesus in the way of the cross, the very way Jesus plainly told was the only way to the abundant life that he had come to bless us with. The generic name for this way of going about things, trying to put together a life of meaning and security out of God-sanctioned stories and routines, salted with weekends of diversion and occasionally erotic interludes, without dealing firsthand, believingly and obediently with God, is religion. It is not, of course, a life without God, but the God who is there tends to be mostly background and resource, a quality or being that provides the ideas and energies that I take charge of and arrange and use as I see fit. We all of us do it, more or less. The word religion, following one possible etymology, not all agree on this, comes from the Latin religere, to bind up or tie up again. The picture that comes to my mind is of myself, having spent years getting it all together, strolling through John Muir's Yuba River Valley, enjoying the country, whistling in self-satisfaction, carrying my life bundled in a neat package, memories and morals, goals and diversions, prayers and devotion, all sorted and tied together. And then 
The storm comes, fierce and sudden. A gust tears my package life from my arms and scatters the items every which way, all over the valley, all through the forest. What do I then do? Do I run helter-skelter through the trees, crawl through the brush, frantically trying to recover all the pieces of my life, desperately enlisting the help of passers-by and calling in the experts, searching for and retrieving and putting back together again, rebinding whatever I can salvage of my life, and then hiding out in the warm and secure cabin until the storm blows over? Or do I follow John Muir to the exposed ridge and the top of the Douglas fir and open myself to the weather, not wanting to miss a detail of this invasion of life into my life, ready at the drop of a hat to lose my life to save it? Mark chapter 8, verse 35.